Colossians. We'll be looking at chapter 1, verses 19 to 23 this morning. I want to thank uh, Surrendered Hearts for leading us in worship this morning. Chastity Schaefer has taken a Sunday off, and we're grateful uh, for our young adults that are participating in our worship this morning. Colossians 1, 19 to 23. Listen to this part of God's Word. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in the gospel. And as we talk about that this morning, may you just uh, bring that truth home deeply to our hearts. Father, may we understand what awaits us and the glory that is there and the beauty of that future hope that we have in Christ. And may that change the way that we live today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There is something about personal stories that is very compelling. In our staff team, these last few weeks, we have been sharing our personal testimonies, taking some time to do that in a little bit longer form, and it has been a very good experience for all of us. Uh, It's helped us to get to know one another on the staff team better, and to also find out and hear the different ways in which God has worked in people's lives. I mean, some grew up in Christian families, others did not. Some uh, came to know Christ at a young age, others it was later in life. Some were headed down a road that was going away from Christ, and at just the right moment, God brought a person into their life who told them about Christ. And we see all of the different ways in which God works by His grace to bring us into this personal relationship with Jesus. And it is always encouraging to hear that. We think about our own story in that regard and what God has done in our life, and we are encouraged by His grace. And I think of how many of our staff have made the statement at the end, you know, that I would be a very different person today if it were not for the grace of God in my life. And I think all of us who know Jesus would say that. Well, even when we hear the stories of others that we don't know, we are encouraged by them. When I uh, was reading in the FCA magazine a couple months ago, there was a story there about Tim Tebow, who's the quarterback for the University of Florida football team. And those of you that follow college football know that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, Some are arguing that he's one of the best college football players of all time. He's a two-time All-American. He has... Uh, been a scholar athlete. He's already won the Heisman Trophy. He's won two Maxwell Trophies as the nation's top football player. And then last year, he led the Florida Gators to the national championship. He is also a very committed Christian, and he's not ashamed to tell others about his faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, in that national championship game, 
in just one of the subtle ways of witnessing for Christ. He, uh, on the lamp black that's under the eyes or that eye black, he had John 3.16 written there, the reference to it. And uh, in the article it said that after the game, there were 93 million hits on the internet trying to find out what John 3.16 was. That tells you a little bit about our world too, doesn't it though, when people don't know. They don't know a verse as common as John 3.16. And what is that? That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's why he came. Well, Tim Tebow and his story, one of the things that interested me about it was that his life almost ended before it began. His parents are missionaries in the Philippines. His dad's an evangelist, and they also have an orphanage there that they care for children. And when um, he and his wife moved there in 1985, they had four children. Tim was not yet born. And Bob was so distraught by the number of abortions and abandoned children that he was seeing that he began to pray, God, if you would give us another son, I will raise him to be a preacher. And he even prayed by name for him, and he called him Timothy, which means honoring God. Well, Pam in time got pregnant, but it was a very difficult pregnancy. And her doctors actually urged her there to get an abortion. They thought her own life was at risk. But Pam and Bob refused, and instead they trusted God with this pregnancy. She would spend several months in bed, and more than once she nearly lost the baby. But on August 14, 1987, against all odds, Timothy was born. And this little child who was born quite small and frail now stands six foot three, two hundred forty five pounds, and they are amazed at what God has done in his life. Tim Tebow's life is a witness to the power of God. And he may be a preacher in an unorthodox way, in the sense that he is sharing the gospel through the medium of sports and introducing others to Christ. But God had a plan for his life. And it is fascinating to see the different ways that God works. All of us who know Jesus as our Savior have a story too. Our life has been changed by Jesus Christ. And that's what this passage in Colossians is about. It's about reconciliation, and it's about the change that Christ can make when someone comes to know him as their Savior and Lord. And as we look at this text this morning, there are three things that I want to point out to you about God's work in our life. Number one, it is good to remember who we are and where we came from. It's good to remember who we are and where we came from. It's good to share the story of how God worked in our life because we are all sinners saved by His grace. The Bible tells us that once we were alienated from God. And that word alienated literally means that we belong to another owner, another master. We were sold as slaves to sin. We were under the dominion of Satan. He was our ruler, even if we had not acknowledged that. We were part of the kingdom of darkness. And we were powerless to change our condition. And what God did was he chose to rescue us. But it is highly unusual what he did. 
We were even enemies in our mind toward God because of our evil behavior. I mean, here, sin had so affected our thoughts, it had so affected our actions, our behavior, that we were considered enemies of God, hostile toward Him. Now, we may not have felt like that. We may not have seen it that way. Sometimes people see themselves as pretty religious, pretty good person. Some might even think that God might be lucky to have us, or maybe uh, we thought that we were okay just the way that we were. There are other people who were indifferent to God. They wanted nothing to do with him. They were quite content with their life and the way it was headed, and so they were going to live their life apart from God. And then there are those who shook their fists at God. They were angry at God. They did not feel life was fair or that things were going the way that they should, and they were mad at this God. All of those are an offense to a holy God. Those who think that they are religious and need no, do not need him, it's just pride. It is just pride and arrogance on our part that is an offense to God. And those who are indifferent to him do not understand how much God loves them and that he is the king. He's the king of all kings. And those who are angry at God or those who shake their fists at him are defying this one who is the Holy One who deserves our very best. But you know, we can't make people see that. We can't force somebody to see that on their own. It is only when God opens our eyes that we recognize our sin and we see our need for His forgiveness. It is a work of the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin and our need for Jesus Christ as our Savior. And do you know what? Even though we come to know Christ as our Savior and Lord, it is always good to remember who we are and where we came from because we are still sinners in need of his grace daily. Do you remember the story of Corey Tenboom? I know Corey is someone that we don't maybe talk about as much in these last few years. There was a time there when she was quite popular and known to most Christians. But Corey and her family were Holocaust survivors, or she was a Holocaust survivor during World War II. They were Christians who helped Jews to escape uh, from the Nazis, uh, Jews that were being arrested and sentenced to concentration camps. And Corey and her family were also arrested when it was discovered what they were doing. Her father would die before making it to the concentration camp. She would lose her sister Betsy in that concentration camp. And Corey herself survived the horrors of it. And after World War II, she began to tell about what God did there and what happened in those years. And she became a popular speaker who literally traveled all over the world. And on one occasion, she was invited to speak at a youth rally in Havana, Cuba. This was before Cuba became a communist country. And it was a hot June night. The meeting was scheduled to start about 7 o'clock, but in Latin America, things never start on time. They just, you know, it kind of starts when everybody arrives and gets there, whatever time that may be. And so when the meeting finally began, she was seated on the platform between two drummers. 
and it was a youth meeting and so they are singing and they're clapping and they're shouting and the drums are beating loud and she is sitting there as this goes on for a couple hours by the time she was to stand up to speak she said my ears were ringing and I had a terrific headache when she spoke she was glad for the quiet as she spoke then after she had given her message a missionary showed slides it was long and not very interesting she said and finally about 10:30 that night then the pastor got up to speak and he gave an invitation and Corey is thinking in her mind, no one's going to come forward. In fact, I hope no one comes forward. I just want to go home and go to bed. Well, to my great surprise, she said, 20 youth that night got up and came to the front to accept Christ as their Savior. And there were tears in some of their eyes. And I thought, how selfish of me. I had hoped that no one would be saved because of my own weariness. And I confessed my sin to God and claimed his forgiveness in Jesus' name. Well, the next morning, Corey was supposed to speak at a large church, and when she got there, it was packed with people wanting to hear her. And as she was introduced that day, she was introduced as a popular evangelist who is tireless and completely selfless in her absolute dedication to the gospel. And she thought, oh Lord, if only these people knew the real Corey, they would not have come out this morning. And the Lord said, tell them, tell them. And she said, Lord, I can't do that. They won't want to hear what I have to say. Tell them. And when she got up to speak that morning, she told them what had happened the night before, of her attitude and her feelings and her weariness. And then she said, that was Corey Tenbu. Corey is selfish and lazy and filled with ego. But Jesus in Corey Tenbum is just the opposite of all those things. Can you relate to that? There are times when you see in yourself your own selfishness, your own ego, or your own uh, attitude problems, or irritation, or criticalness. That's who we are. It's who we are, and that's why we need a Savior. And to think of this great hope that we have, that Jesus in us is the opposite of all those things. And when we allow Him to fill us and minister through us by His grace, He can use us too. I love these banners up here. It's really the theme for the book of Colossians. That Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's the only hope that we have. It is Christ living in us who changes us and who begins to shape us and refine us and to make us more and more like His Son, like Him. Why is it important to remember who we are and where we came from? It keeps us humble and dependent on Christ. Well, secondly, it is good to remember who Christ is and what He has done for us. Who is Christ? Well, Paul will tell us here that he is both our Lord and our Savior. Paul uses these words in verse 19 when he said that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
When Paul used that word fullness to describe Jesus, it was a direct shot at the false teachers. The false teachers used the word fullness to describe the totality of all the supernatural powers, God, angels, demons. And they used it in sort of this mystical way to reference all of these supernatural powers. Paul used the word fullness in a different way. He used the word fullness to describe the totality of God's power and attributes in Christ. In this man who lived and walked among us, God dwelt in all of his fullness. Jesus is fully God. He is co-equal with the Father. And Jesus, as the Son of God, chose to live in obedience to the Father, but he was not less than God. That's what Paul is saying. And the word dwell that he uses here when he says that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, the word dwell means that it is permanent. It's not temporary. God didn't take up temporary residence in Jesus. Jesus is forever fully God, fully man for all of eternity. And all of God's attributes dwell permanently in Christ. Well, what did Jesus do for us? Well, Paul tells us again, it was the Father's good pleasure to reconcile all things to himself by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, that by means of Christ's death for our sins, God would accomplish this reconciliation not just with man, but even one day with a restored and renewed creation. You see, when Adam sinned, even the physical creation was affected by man's sin. And today, today, even in our world, creation longs for that day when it will be restored and made new. In the book of Romans, the scripture says that the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Every day, creation waits waits for that day when Jesus will return, waits for the day when God is going to make all things new, and when it says it waits in eager expectation, it is like it is standing on tiptoe. Is today the day that Christ is going to come? Is today the day when the glory of the creation as God intended it to be will be revealed? What an awesome thing that is to think about. I love that phrase. We too long for that day, don't we? The day when the sons of God will be revealed and we will be changed. In verse 22, Paul takes another shot at the false teachers when he tells them that God reconciled us to himself by means of Christ's physical body through death. You see, the false teachers there considered matter as evil. The body is evil. Flesh is evil. And therefore, if Jesus was God, he couldn't have had a real physical body or somehow be joined to a physical body permanently. In reality, what the Bible tells us is that God made a world in which he could enter. You see, we were made in the image of God. Man was made in the image of God as male and female so that one day Jesus could enter our world and live among us. 
He came to be our Savior. He came to die for our sins so that we might be reconciled to God. And the enmity, that hostility and hatred that was once there because of our sin is gone. And our relationship with God has been restored. Now Paul is not teaching a universalism here. This is not true for all regardless of what man thinks. It is true for those who are in Christ. Those who have come to place their hope and their confidence in him. And that's why Paul says in in this passage that if you continue in your faith, that if you continue in your faith established and firm and not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Paul is confident that they will continue in this new relationship with Christ that they have begun. But it is those who hear and respond to the gospel that are saved. And the evidence that we are saved is that ongoing commitment to Christ. Thirdly, it is good to remember why he came and what he wants us to do. Paul tells us that Jesus died to make us holy in his sight. Without, without blemish, that is perfect and complete, and free from accusation. What a wonderful statement that is. You see, for those who are in Christ, there is no charge that Satan can bring against us. In this life, God is working to sanctify us, to make us more and more like Christ, to remove the dross and to make us whole. And as we grow in Christ, we become more and more like His Son. But even today, for those who are in Christ, there is no charge that Satan can bring against us because our debt has been paid in full by Jesus Christ. Our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when God looks at us, He sees the righteousness of His Son that has covered us. And we stand accepted in His sight. This is our position in Christ. And one day it will be our experience. I want you to look at those statements and think about that. I mean, if that isn't enough to get you to say amen this morning, I don't know what will. That there is no charge that can be brought against us because our debt has been paid in full by Christ. That's what He did on the cross for us. And our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ so that when God looks at us, He doesn't see Rick Stanghelly sinner. He doesn't see you as a sinner. He sees the righteousness of His Son. That's our position. And one day it will also be our experience. In that day when He brings us to glory and we stand before Him. Amen. So how do we live today? What difference does that make in our life? Well, we make it our goal to please Him in everything. This one who died for us and who gave His life deserves our very best. And so, like Paul said, we come to this conclusion that one died for all and He died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. We make it our aim to please Him. 
And secondly, we understand that we have a mission. We have a responsibility now to take this good news and to share that with the world. We are literally heralds of the gospel, sent with a message from the King of all kings. This gospel has been announced to all creation in one sense, and that the decree has been made by the King that there is a way that we can be reconciled to God. But what God has chosen to do is to use His church. To use you and me as individuals who are messengers of the King. And we are being sent out to go to every corner of this world with the good news that God has reconciled us to Himself in Jesus Christ. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be restored to a relationship with God. You can have eternal life in Christ. That's the good news that he has called us to share. It is good to remember who we are and where we came from. That we are sinners saved by grace and that we need his power and his forgiveness daily. It is good to remember who Christ is and what he has done for us. That he is Lord and he is our Savior. And he gave his life for our sins. And it is good to remember why he came and what he wants us to do. He came to make us holy. And he came to send us out as his ambassadors with a message to be taken to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, as we think about these things, both the wonder of your grace in welcoming us as your children, and the responsibility that you have given to us to live in a way that honors you and to share that good news. Father, would you help us to do that well? I pray that we as a church would be a, a light in this community where others would come to know Christ and see who you really are and grow in their relationship with you. But I also pray, Father, that you would scatter us around not just this community, but wherever we go in our work and our travels and our missionary ventures that we take part in, that we would be a light for Christ. And that through us, that you would be pleased to share that good news so that others might come to know you as their Savior and Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for this time of year that we celebrate that birth of Christ at Christmas. And Father, may these truths ring in our heart. And would you give us opportunities? Give us opportunities to talk to others who are spiritually searching or hungry to know you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.